Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control with the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver. There was, let's say, sexual activity early in every relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And that sexual activity created a chemical bond of this feels good and there's great connection Mm -hmm. and and there was no conversation about values or vision or lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We're having fun. This is a great time. We're experiencing life together and we've got this chemical bond. This time I said, listen, there's there's not going to be any of that. I mean, my friends are like in shock, especially my guy friends. I'm going to get vulnerable here, but it's almost three months. I spent 40 nights next to her without without that activity going on. <laughs> and um, talk yeah. about self-discipline for me yeah. as someone who's driven by, you know, who wants that a lot. Sure. I, I was just like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it until I find out, like, where this is going. This podcast exists because I love talking to people and I love going deep. The purpose is to plant seeds of inspiration. We enter a space of vulnerability and relatability. And what you realize is that we are so much more alike than we are different. To quote Ramdas, we're all just walking each other home. And the show is just one step. I'm Danica Patrick and I'm pretty intense. Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. I am so excited to have this guest on the show today. He's a friend. I have interviewed him before, uh, which, gosh, he's going to be the first person I've interviewed twice. So that's because he's so amazing. And it's Lewis Howes. He is a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, He has two books. The most recent one is called The Mask of Masculinity. We talked a little bit about the fact that he's writing another book, which is going to be awesome. So we start off with talking about that. Uh, He's also, he also has an amazing and huge podcast called The School of Greatness. It's actually because of being on his podcast and two others when I was promoting my own book years ago that I thought, wow, that was really fun. I think I, I really like doing these podcasts and then it led to doing my own. So Lewis is an incredible human being, really is like kind of a man of service. And just, you know, that was one of the things we talked about is just how, you know, what is his role, you know, being a voice and a leader. And, you know, he shares what he wants to be for people and, you know, what he wants to help men step into, which is really just a place of vulnerability and being honest. We just talked about the dynamics of relationships, that incredible lesson of uh, standing up for yourself and, and, and not in a negative way, but just knowing who you are and creating boundaries and being really clear about that and just what that brings into your life. You know, transparency is a beautiful thing when it's done with love and, and, you know, with your inner inner child, as we talked about a lot in, in mind, because when we're out of alignment with that is when the problems start and our compromises turn into resentment and, and it's a spiral, uh, into a place that's nowhere, nowhere you want to be. So just super vulnerable guy, super, super kind. And we had a, a really, really great conversation, man. I'm just, I'm inspired by him. And I think you will be too. Enjoy the episode. How are you? Good. I miss your face. Oh, miss your face. Miss your, miss your hugs, even though I've only hung out with you a few times, but I feel like we give good hugs. So. Oh, yeah. When uh, when I said who I was interviewing today, my boyfriend was like, I would like to go to dinner with him. And he's like, he's, I've heard he's a I'll great guy. Out. And I'm like, he is a great guy. I asked if he wanted to talk about anything today or promote anything. And he was like, no, nope, just in <laughs> service. Just happy to do it. And I'm like, you yeah. just are that good of a guy. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, when I have a book or something, then I'll make sure to to promote it. I'll, I'll hit you back up and say, Done. hey, let's, let's promote the book. <laughs> Done. Not a problem. How long has it been since your last book? The Mask of Masculinity was your second book, right? <sighs> four years ago. Yeah, four years ago. So I'm actually right now in talks with coming out with a book at the end of next year. Yeah, so I'm working Ooh. on that right now. End of next year means you bet you're going to have to get started. I'm just getting started in the last few weeks. Yeah. Oh, really? So it's either going to be end of next year or maybe January at the latest. We're still figuring out 
when it's going to come out. But I'm, I mean, I've been researching it in my mind for years working on this, but now it's like, okay, let's make it happen. Well, would you it'll like be five, to share it'll be what five it's about? Years. Um, it's about the greatness mindset and it's about eliminating self-doubt. I think self-doubt is the biggest killer of dreams. I think there are three main fears that we as human beings have. The fear of failure, which a lot of people have. They're afraid to fail. Sure. And so they don't take action on what they want mm -hmm. or their goals or their dreams because of that, that insecurity or fear around what if I fail? The second big – I never had that as an athlete. I don't think you ever had that because as athletes, we are trained – well, you got to learn. you got to make mistakes every day to learn to get better to help you become successful and accomplish your goals. So I knew failure was a part of the journey of mm -hmm. like practicing to accomplish success. And there's a great meme online. I'm going to abbreviate what the meme says because I can't remember specifically. But there's a meme of a photo of a baby walking. They're like trying to walk. <clears throat> and the quote or the meme says something like, you know, uh, children fall a thousand times before they learn to walk. And never does the child think maybe this walking thing isn't for me. <laughs> right. I think I've seen that. You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't. Right. The, the child doesn't think, oh, yeah, I fell 20 times. I scratched my face. I, you know, my elbows bleeding. I hit the back of my head. Maybe I should just crawl the rest of my life because I keep failing. And um, I think, you know, once the other two fears come into play, people are just afraid of failure. The, the second fear, which I never understood personally because I always wanted to accomplish my goals, was the fear of success. And when I, when I speak or when I talk to people and I ask them, are you more afraid of failure or success? I'm always surprised. A lot of people say that they're afraid of success. And again, this didn't make sense to me because right. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to succeed. That's what I was going after. And, and I would ask people, like, why are you afraid of success? Mm -hmm. And they would say something like, well, the, the pressure, you know, the pressure that comes with success, the weight you have to carry – the idea that you have to live up to something now, like I've accomplished this, I have to keep doing this, otherwise then I'm a failure. Um, or <clears throat> if I go and pursue my dreams, you know, my family won't go with me or they'll, they'll kind of outcast me, which, or my friends, mm -hmm. my peers, you know, I'll be leaving the tribe, the community, and I'm afraid to kind of lose my friendships and be more alone or independent. So that fear of success is strong for people. Those were never my fears. Yeah. My fear was something else. And it's the third uh, the third fear, which I think a lot of people have as well, which is the fear of judgment mm -hmm. and, and criticism and other people's opinions. And um, I was never afraid of the failure side because I knew as an athlete I needed to make mistakes in order to improve, to get better, to, to achieve. I always wanted to be successful. So that was not a fear of mine, the pressure of when I succeeded. It was more just like uh, people's opinions of me or people doubting me or people hmm. um, criticizing me and judging me. Oh, man, I lived that. Right? And so at the core, you know, usually we, someone has one of those or maybe all of those. I'm fears, the first one. Right. Fear of failure? Yep. Yeah. And so from – and at the, at the center, so if you made it like a three-circle Venn diagram at the center yeah. of – our fears is I'm not enough. Of course, and that was totally my problem. That is yeah, totally exactly. my problem. I yes, it's a dad wound. Yes, exactly. So and I'm then not I enough. expressed it in the mom wound. Yeah, exactly. And then the inner child is always in pain and suffering. So <laughs> I literally this has been a this has been a year of therapy for me. I've done Ooh. therapy every two weeks the entire year since January. And I am with you. I had two therapists at one point that I talked to every week. Yeah, the first six months was like an every week. Like, I was in couples therapy for the first like five and a half months, I guess. Well, at least and it was, tried. And it was every week. It was like five, seven hours at a time on a day. Like we'd go on Saturdays and do it together. Oh God! And it was it was so intense. But as an athlete, we uh, will do whatever it takes. You oh, know, we're yeah. like, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Whatever it takes. Leave no regrets. You know. So right. that was my mindset. Not even a single letter. Exactly. Yeah, and I and I said after 
after I realized that in the previous relationship that our, our visions weren't aligned and we weren't uh, a great match values and vision-wise, I said, you know what? I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to do this for the rest of the year for myself mm. and see what that does for me. And I have this photo. I don't know if you'll have – if this is a, a practice that one of your therapists ever did with you. But I, I have this photo. I have this photo on my phone. Can you guess okay. what this photo? Can you guess what this photo is that I've had since January? I don't. Maybe your inner child. <laughs> it's you as a kid. Ah! <laughs> it's me as a kid. I don't know if you can it's see just it that uh, way. me and my dogs. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So this is a photo I've had wow. since, since January, um, and my you know cute my, you are. and my therapist was like listening, and I said, "Why do I keep choosing specific types of relationships?" Right. Patterning. Not that these, not that these people are bad and wrong. Not that right. you know, nothing. Just not the right. right match for me. Right. And there was, um, I kept doing it because I kept abandoning myself. I kept abandoning myself on my values and my vision to create peace and make someone else happy, mm. as opposed to being peace and healing that I am not enough inner child wound, Ugh. to creating boundaries. And then creating from a place of standards and agreements, not I'm constantly having my agreements broken by a partner and giving in to try to make them happy to create peace. Yeah. And so it's been an incredible year yeah. of reflection, of getting feedback, of healing that, and, <clears throat> and really diving back into, again, to those three fears that a lot of people have is, the core of any of those fears is I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough, not talented enough, smart enough, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. And I think when, when we learn to fully accept and heal what we've been through and accept where we're at right now, there's a foundation that we can move forward with, a mindset we can move forward with that is a place of creation and pursuing our uniqueness and our gifts in the world and, and putting ourselves out there in a way that no matter we win or lose, people love us or hate us, we do it from a place of joy and a place of peace because there's inner acceptance. Mm. When I when I had a, I'm not sure. Did you know Kobe pretty well, or did you interview I didn't. him? Mm -mm. I only met him once. I I forced my way into an introduction at the ESPYS one time to say That's hi. Cool. And That's cool. My, my my publicist at the time was the I mean like he was a humongous fan and so I I got him to say I like wanted to introduce I met I introduced myself so that I could introduce him um, and uh, that's it though I didn't know him yeah I when I when I interviewed him I only met him for you know an hour and um, so I'm not like I'm close with him or, or was close with him but when I interviewed him he said. When he was, I can't remember if he was 12 or 13, but when he was like 12 or 13, he was playing basketball in a summer league and he didn't score one point. He said the entire summer, it was like two or three months. He didn't score once and it was somewhere around 10, 11, 12 or something like that. Uh -huh. And I said, what made you want to come back? And like, after you failed miserably the whole summer, why did you want to come back and play basketball again? Like the next year or whatever. And he said, I'm paraphrasing this, but he said, that my father told me that he's going to love me no matter what. He's like, I don't care if you score all the points or if you score no points, I'm going to love you no matter what. Wow. And he said that gave him permission to pursue something without one of those fears, without oh, the wow. fear of failure, without the fear of success and the fear of judgment. And I think um, when we can learn to love our own selves no matter what, not needing that from someone else or, right. you know, whether it was your father or your siblings or whatever it may be. For me, it was peers, you know, being judged by peers. When I can, when we can learn to accept ourselves for who we are and create from that space of inner love and inner mm -hmm. peace, which is mm -hmm. hard to do. It's hard to get there. Oh, yeah. That's when I feel like uh, we can create some amazing things in the world. So that's the premise of the book. Wow. The greatness mindset. That's really cool. That's going to be a really powerful book as they all are from you. I appreciate well, it. Because it comes from your own experiences, yeah. you know, like when you're speaking from pure experience, there's, there's depth, there's emotion connected to it. There's truth. And I think that truth holds a frequency. And so there's an yeah. energy and a frequency within the book and the writing that's, that's undeniable because it's not just a bunch of words that, you yeah. know, we've heard a million times written in a spiritual book or written in like a self-help book or a, you know, go get them kind of book. It's like your life on yeah. come to life alive on right. the pages. Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know how, com- I mean, you're a pretty open guy, but you, <laughs> we can, we can push the brakes anytime, but I'm curious. Cause I think that this, this idea that, I mean, I love that we're talking about self-help and about looking in the self and look, the inner child and the way that things relate to our childhood. And, you know, it's something that I've been working through for years now. And I know you've been working on for even longer. And, you know, I think giving some examples and just talking through how that goes, because there's, I feel like there's so much anxiety and so much stress in the world and especially nowadays. And it's like, maybe we can just sort of shed some light from our own experiences, just how that looks and how that can show up in our life. And we can maybe learn how to cope better because that inner peace comes from making peace with those things yourself. So like, what was sort of the first big hurdle that you came across or got over in therapy and, and, and with the process of therapy, because sometimes my breakthroughs came on my own, but maybe the impetus was a, was a, was a therapy prompt or something to do with it. So like, do you remember what the kind of first thing was where you were like, I don't know why I'm crying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I started my, I would say I started my healing journey eight years ago Yeah, where I started doing therapeutic experiences, workshops, therapies that allowed me to start heal certain parts of, of the, what, Joe Dispenza says the memories of the past because mm-hmm. these are memories that we either amplify or diminish in our in our thought and our memory. So there's an event that occurs, we have a memory of the event, and we either make it twenty times great, more grandiose than it was, which is probably what I do, uh, you know, have done. You know, I went through this, and this is how it was, but was it really how it was, or is that how our memory is? Or we diminish certain things. Uh, you know, I really didn't do this well, or that, whatever it might be. And so for many years, I've been doing therapeutic experiences. Um, and I talk about this publicly where f- at the beginning, it was healing the the sexual abuse that I faced when I was mm-hmm. a kid, which was really blocked inside of my body for 25 years. I never told anyone. And that took a couple of years of unwinding and surrendering to and letting go. And I thought I'd done all the work. You know, I was like, <laughs> okay. Isn't it always the case? Yeah, yeah. Then, and then I was like, every couple of years, I'm like, oh, wait, why am I still like struggling with something? So, new level, new devil. Exactly. And I, and this time, I was realizing that, sure, I became a lot less reactive and triggered in the real world uh, because I'd healed something where there had been abuse, right? I'd healed something where there was a trauma. So I felt a lot less reactive, whereas before I turned 30 and started doing this work, I was very triggered and reactive person. I was a fun loving guy, but when I felt under attack, um, like mentally and emotionally, I would react. What triggered you? I mean, it was always the feeling of when some I when I felt someone was trying to take advantage or abuse me. It's like mm-hmm. abuse my generosity, take advantage mm-hmm. of me, use me for something without like a good intention of just like, hey, we're friends, but they're always trying to angle something or abuse or, you know, if it felt like that, I'd be felt triggered. And I didn't Which know Which plays why. into the sexual abuse, right? Exactly, That's sort of exactly. the parallel later. Yeah, right? being taken advantage of when right. I was, you know, five-year-old. And so, but I, I still struggled in all my intimate relationships. Like I was better in business and friendships in the world, but I still struggled in intimate relationships. And I didn't know why. And I kept choosing relationships. Again, all wonderful individuals. I have nothing bad to say about them. It's all my responsibility of choosing and abandoning certain things about my vision to make something try to work. And there was a moment in therapy earlier in the year where this has been a pattern in the last decade from all the all the relationships I've been in. So this I, was in earlier in the year this year. Yes, yes. Okay. And there was a there was a pattern in the last probably every relationship I've been in, but I'm thinking of the last 10, 12 years of the the different intimate relationships I've been in. There would always come to a point where I'd feel a sense of like tightness and pressure in my chest in every relationship. And I'd feel more and more stress and tightness and almost like kind of heart palpitations mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this kind of like underlying feeling of trappedness and stress and and like anxiety in my yeah. chest it was yeah. always in my chest and eventually go mm. to my throat uh-huh. and i didn't and i was just kind of like it wouldn't happen right away it was like six to eight months in every relationship i started to feel this and then i would say okay 
I'm an athlete. This is not going to fail. I'm going to make this work. So <laughs> what can we? What can I do? How can I be better? How can I make you happy? How can I improve this relationship? Yeah. Let's go to therapy. Let's do this together. And yeah. I always thought this was weird. I always thought this was weird that I would suggest therapy to every past relationship and say, I really want to do therapy because I care about you. I care about us. I love you. I want to make this work. And something's not feeling right. And they would all say, no, they don't want therapy. And I was like, what? I feel like every woman would die if, if their boyfriend. Right? If their boy, yes. And I was like, come on. Like, this makes no sense to me. You're like the one woman. And I kept choosing the one woman that didn't want therapy. And I was like, what? And um, anyways, I, I realized I was, I was dating patterns. And um, again, nothing wrong or bad about it, but it was, it was a pattern. And in this past experience was the same thing for a year i was like i really want us to do therapy i think it'll be important i remember saying i would love for us to do therapy in the beginning when things are good so we just continued to like get things cleared and we grow in a vision together yeah that wasn't the case and then after a year of it kind of being up and down right some good moments but then a lot of like down moments i remember it was just like we can't do this anymore like this isn't gonna last we either need some support or I don't know what we're going to do because we are it's too up and down for me. It's not sustainable. And finally, you know, after a year of asking for this, we finally were able to make the therapy happen. And it was extremely profound for me because it got me to have someone with a different perspective see the whole picture. And it got me to talk about these things and step back and be like, wow, why why am I choosing to stay in this? Why is keeping me motivated to stay in this? And how can I take full responsibility for why it's turning out this way? And there was a moment in therapy where literally like the pain in my chest came together and kind of disintegrated into a ball into like peace and freedom and like just disintegrated. And it was the weirdest thing that I've ever felt because it felt physical transformation in a moment. I had just like this awareness moment. I always used to feel like <clears throat> I was trapped, like I needed to make it work and I could not end the relationship. There was no, I was not willing to end the relationship. So I would just stay in it and keep trying to make someone else happy as opposed to not abandon myself. So what I realized is that I was abandoning my inner child the needs that I had over and over again for someone else. And I thought it was unselfishness as opposed to coming together into a partnership with here's who I am, here's who you are. Do you accept who I am right now? And do I accept who you are right now? And the partners that I was choosing to be with never fully accepted me. They wanted me to change constantly. And I chose those relationships, so I can't blame them. Uh, you know, I don't... I take responsibility for staying in a relationship where people wanted to change me consistently. And I just chose that I want to keep the peace, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this person happy. But they were never happy. No matter how much I changed and how much I did, they would always get upset at something. And that's when I realized, like, I don't need to stay in relationships. I can end it, and I'm not a bad person. Because I always thought, like, if I end this, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to hurt someone. And... You know, what if they say something bad about me and then judgment? So oh, my yeah, thing was like the, the fear. third thing of the yes. fear. That's fear judgment. It is. And then I was just like, I was so held back by that fear of, well, what about the, what if people think bad? What if they say something that's not true that I don't have control over? And then people think I'm a bad guy or whatever, or my reputation, whatever. And then I just got to a point where I was like, none of this pain is worth anyone's opinion about me anymore and I'd, ra I'd rather feel free and let people think whatever they want to think than be stuck mm. and trapped in this mm. emotional um uh, relationship that i'm choosing yeah. to put myself into mm -hmm. no one's forcing me yeah and that awareness just gave me the sense of like peace that i was like you know there's no amount of abandoning myself that is worth worth it no matter what the consequences are so it's been up wow so is there... there's constant there's constant learnings over the last six yeah. months so was amazing. that this is the part i'm curious about can you can you see 
how that was a dynamic in your uh, familial situation? Everything, was everything, that your, yes. Did you play Family. the role? Because like, as an example, if yes. I'm going to share to be vulnerable and help people understand, like my wound was not being good enough because I was always pushed by my dad. So like I found part partners that would push me right. and that I wasn't good enough for. And then what I didn't realize is I would act like my mom and abandon myself emotionally. That's the part that came later that I didn't realize I was doing. Um, and so can you see the pattern and how that played out in your, your parental situation? 100%. It's 100%. I mean, it's very, uh, it's very interesting to look back. And, you know, parent dynamics are beautiful and messy at the same time. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, we love them, but it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I always try and say it's like, God, every parent is going to give their kids something because you're going to love them too much. You're too little. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, so yeah, like, exactly. get over it. Love. It doesn't uh -huh. matter. It's it's, it's just the, it's the human experience. So what I what I realized this year, if I look back, my mom always wanted to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. So she would abandon herself no matter mm -hmm. what was happening. She would stay calm and relaxed. She would give in to whatever to kind of make my father like happy. And my father had more, let's say, I don't know if I would, it's, it's interesting because he had a massive transformation at one point in his life and completely changed after I turned 13. But before 13, he was a lot more challenging to be around, let's say, and very loving, like would put me to bed every night and kiss me and hug me and affectionate. But it was just like, he had some narcissistic traits. I don't know if he was like full on, but he had some narcissistic traits. And I think my mom would do whatever to keep the peace. Mm. And so as I look back at it, I have chosen to date women with, I would say, narcissistic traits. And for mm. whatever reason, I was lured in by something. Something mm. hooked me in. And to learn um, the lesson. That's what you were hooked in by. But I kept, I mean, I kept repeating it over and over. And I, I get like it. it. We all do. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then I took on the role of my, and my dad was extremely charismatic and amazing mm -hmm. and smart and intelligent yeah. and, you know, a great guy. A lot of narcissists are. I know, exactly. <laughs> and I just, I just had uh, Dr. Romney. Uh, oh, God, I interviewed on. her too. She's incredible. It just oh, came yeah. out last week. And I've been, I literally didn't even know what narcissism was until like a month ago. Oh my God, when, really? When I've been studying this now, and I'm just like seeing all these patterns from previous relationships. Oh yeah. And I asked her and I go, I go, because I was having so many aha moments in the interview with her and I was just like, yeah, I feel like everything you're saying in narcissism, I feel like this is certain things that I went through. And I said, why do I, why do you think that I might've been someone attracted to those traits, whether or they were full on or spectrum or a little bit, whatever. And we probably all have some little narcissism somewhere. Mm -hmm. But I said, why do you think I was attracted to this? And she said, athletes have a high tendency to either be extreme narcissists uh -huh. or be uh, attracted to narcissists. And I said, why? And she said, because you have a do whatever it takes mentality. Right. You, you'll, You'll fight till the end. You'll right. do whatever it takes. And I was like, right. that's what I did. I was like working right. on therapy for a month. I was like, I'll right. stay in this for years to try to yep. make it work. As opposed to quitting, right? The idea of quitting and ending the relationship. That was my biggest fear, ending a relationship where there was connection, where there was love, sure. where there was intimacy, where there was sure. fun times. And um, so anyways, I digress because I was fascinated by what I was learning from that. And I also think there's another part of it. I also think that there's another little part of it where we're also trying to correct the original wound. Absolutely. And so we think yes. we attract these partners because we think deep down, like we can correct the original we can, wound. We can heal it. We can fix exactly. it. Exactly. If I can fix this one person, it means it wasn't me. It means that I yeah. can change them. It means that it doesn't, this doesn't need to be the, the pattern and the reality and the way that it was. But the problem is, is that we never can. And so the pattern just repeats itself until we, you know, and it. she's yeah. And Dr. Uh, Romney said, I go, will the narcissist ever change? She says, <laughs> they won't change. And I go, so what do you do if you're in a relationship with one? And she's like, you cannot change them. You either you need to leave or you need to have radical acceptance 
knowing that your feelings will just be shouted into an abyss yeah. and you, you won't have anyone to be able to connect with on that. And I go, that seems like a miserable existence. Isn't goes, it the most fascinating oh gosh, human dynamic ever? And the thing is about narcissists is that they all, I'm, I'm an expert now. Um, they <laughs> all like, I mean, truly, like I had watched, you've watched every video of it. <laughs> every doubt, every video. I mean, I, I knew every, I knew basically everything that she was saying in the interview wow. because I had watched so many hours of her and everybody. So what I wanted her on for was to share the information because um, she's an expert, yes, you know. She's great. But um, but but the the fascinating thing I find in in psychology is that they all fit into the same profile and Crazy. they don't even know they're narcissists. And it's like Crazy. it makes well, me think we're zeros and ones. Well, that's why she said. I go. I go. You know, what are, give me some of the examples of what a narcissist might be. She's like, well, a narcissist, well, she said it's extremely hard to diagnose a narcissist right. like, as narcissistic personality disorder because it takes multiple sessions in therapy in order to be able to get to a point of a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And she goes, very rarely will you see a narcissist go to therapy. And I go, oh, none of my ex-girlfriends, I always wanted to go and none of them wanted to go. I was like, that's interesting. Not saying that they were full-on narcissists or whatever, but... It's interesting that there's a resistance to feedback. That there's a yeah. resistance to looking yeah. within the mirror and saying, you know what, maybe I do have some challenges that I could like to take ownership on and improve on and you know, mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. And um so anyways, it was it's been a fascinating wow. month just from that understanding. But for me the dynamic goes back to, yeah, I think I always try attracted women without even being aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. That once it got to a point of, oh, we're not aligned on our values and our vision. Not that it's right or wrong. We're just not aligned. I would say, well, 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 we've created this incredible dynamic and connection and had these fun times. So I'm just going to do whatever it takes to make you happy to make this work. Yeah. And that was all. That was my lesson to learn how to walk away when something wasn't in alignment with my wow. higher self. Right. And so this has been a profound year of continued healing <clears throat> of the you know, my little Lewis, who I abandoned for 30 plus years mm -hmm. to create peace, to try to make mm -hmm. someone happy with who I was and yeah. change myself to mm -hmm. please them the way I watched my mom do that with my dad. I cried so much for my inner child. Like I would literally like hug myself. I did the same. I did this. Did you, hug, did you hug your, I did an exercise myself. one time. I did an exercise one time that made me weep like a child where okay. I was laying, I first did Wim Hof and started breathing and like just channeling it and moving the energy throughout my body. And then I was meditating afterwards and I did an ex uh, exercise where I was laying down and um, I would see my five-year-old self that was sexually abused and I was holding my five-year-old self. And then I had a moment where I was having a conversation with my five-year-old self saying, I got you, like, we're, we're here now. And then I, like, immersed, I, like, put him into me and was, like, hugging myself just like that. It was crazy, crazy experiences. Oh, man. Wow. I, I feel like this, I remember doing something very similar. And it was, like, I think I even made a post about it. It was, like, I've got you, like, I, I always have. It's, like, oh my you know, gosh. the you inner self, like, I've got you and I always have. It's, Ooh. like, even through the shit. You're like, and I always have. That's why you're here now. And it's like the 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 true self. I just got done talking to Kimberly Snyder. She has a new book coming out. And, nice. you know, there's a lot of talk about the true self. And, you know, the true self is so subtle. The inner child, the higher self, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's so subtle and so quiet. And it's like my when I looked at my inner child, when it for when I first started this practice and this dynamic and learning, my inner child was literally stuck in the top of a top of a like top top of a building in a dome that was concrete and there was like a tiny little window hole out it and no words then the inner child came down and was in the bottom of this like structure and was like at the door but still wouldn't say anything and it was like this process of letting the inner child emerge and like i never gave it a voice i never paid attention to it i should have put a picture of my inner, my little self on the on All my right. phone too it's still time to do it yeah true that's true <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Ella. Um, but as my dog lays next to me, um, but, but it's like the practice of, of, of getting in touch with that voice and that, that 
energy and that message and that truth, it's so subtle because the ego is so associated with what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not like the ego, the ego is generally a little bit of a of a nemesis, but the but the but that's just because it's short-sighted. Like all it's trying to do is mitigate against against pain. And so you know, the pain of being rejected, it goes, oh, that's okay. We'll adapt, right? The ego goes, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. We'll just adapt. And like, you know, what you need to learn how to do is, is, is balance them out, give the inner child, give your higher self a voice and bring the ego down and allow it to have some pain. But like the ego doesn't want to ever be in pain. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just this dynamic that we go through in life. And so, you know, that inner child stuff is really, really powerful. Did your, um, did your, uh, your inner child have anything that, um, he wanted to say, I'm guessing it's a he. Yeah. Um, let me think back to that moment. I mean, I think he was just really scared and uncertain Mm -hmm. and unsure Mm -hmm. and felt very alone. That's what mm-hmm. my inner child felt. Mm-hmm. And so when I was having a conversation, it sounds weird to say, when I was having a conversation with my inner child, but when I was having a conversation, I just said, you're not alone. I'm here. You're safe. I'm protecting you. I got your back. We're in this together. Look how far we've come. Yes. You know, and that conversation mm-hmm. was really powerful for my five-year-old psychological self to hear because I think um, – you know, as Joe Dispenza says, that the memory of the past, we're, we're stuck in this old memory yeah. and we're bringing the past pain to the present. Yeah. And we're never able to create a peaceful, powerful, authentic future if we're still living in the memory of a painful past mm-hmm. as opposed to healing, mm-hmm. having wisdom, not saying it was a fun or cool thing that you experienced, but having wisdom around it and being able to make more conscious, authentic decisions from that wisdom of peace and acceptance. Again, going back to I am enough at the being at the core, not I am not enough. Yeah, and I was just interviewing Dr. David Perlmutter yesterday, and he was saying that, um, I mean, I think a lot of neuroscientists talk about this, but there's two parts of the brain. He said the fear-based part of the brain, which I believe is called the amygdala, and then the prefrontal cortex, which is the future thinking, compassionate part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And if we have a memory of the past that is constantly scary and shameful and insecure or uh, hurtful, then whenever we experience a moment or an event that triggers that pain, we go into the part of our brain, which is the fear-based part, the immediate part, which it's nearly impossible to react from a compassionate, calm place when that part of the brain is triggered. And so healing those traumatic parts of the past or whatever Mm -hmm. we have allows us to then, when the event occurs, maybe it still startles us and maybe there's some like frustration or sadness or anger, but we're able to get back to a calm part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, to allow us to choose it's like the adult in the room as opposed to the child in the room reactive. Mm-hmm. And we're able to make an adult decision as opposed to a painful child decision. I think it's fascinating when we learn about, when wow. I keep learning about this stuff and I'm like, it's fascinating. It's, I love psychology and you know, it's like, you know, people like Bruce Lipton and mm-hmm. guys like that, that study this sort of stuff, these scientists, but you know, I've never think, had Bruce on. Is he good? I, I haven't, but he's booked finally. Ooh, I yeah, so too. I think he's booked for January or February. Um, I'm really excited. He talks about epigenetics a ton yes. and just, oh my God, I love it. Um, but but one of the one of the things that he says many times is just how your uh, subconscious programming is is established, which is 95% of how you operate in the day, established from the last trimester through the first sort of six six, seven, eight years at the most, six, seven years of your life. And so it's not a shock that your inner child's five. It's it, you know, most of the time it is at that age because that's when those subconscious programs, that's why we can't see it either. And that's the sort of fascinating experience of being human is that it takes, since we can't see ourselves, it takes the outside world to reflect it to us through patterns, through triggers in yes. relationships. Same relationships. Yeah. <laughs> and the relationships, yeah. totally the most like, 
the, the biggest one where we get our lessons because it's so emotional for us, right? Like we can kind of step aside from mom and dad. Sometimes, you know, we go, they live there, we live here, but especially when you're in a partnership with someone like that's where it's in your face every day. And yeah. that's where the biggest, and it's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I always think to myself, okay, like growing is painful, growing pains. Like there's always, always going to be painful. And I think to myself, but the next time I have a growth spurt, it's not going to be so bad. Like I'm ready for it. <laughs> and then it comes and it's just as shitty as the last one. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, why is it so bad? And then I'm like, at least I keep coming back quicker and quicker and quicker yes. to going because it's supposed to be hard and the journey never ends. It's just how quick can you bring yourself back to a place of receptivity yeah, and interiority where you're like, what's my part in this? And mm -hmm. my saying this last year has been, oh, well, <laughs> that's been my coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be try harder. Maybe uh, you can relate to that one. Yes. But then this year I was like, hmm, this one, this happened or this one. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> that's great. Do you ever have little mantras or anything like that that sort of you have from time to time that like can pull you through? I do, especially like when I'm running long distance, which is extremely hard for me. Um, <laughs> for I have like a, I have different mantras there. Where I'm just like, no, nah, I'm powerful. I'm peaceful. You know, I'm just like, I'm yeah. powerful. I just stay relaxed and strong at the same time. But yeah. Do you feel like through a lot of these lessons, do you feel like some anything's changed? Like sometimes your perception on yourself or your perception on even the work that you do, the world itself, like are there some fundamentals that have really shifted for you? Something happened recently in my, like, I'm just clear that in certain relationships, whether it be business or friends or, or intimate, I'm setting my standards for what I want and what my vision and my values are in that relationship sooner mm. so that it's not unclear. So it's like a boundary. My, yeah, boundary. And... And I make sure that the other person is in alignment and hears it and understands it. Not that I'm like, okay, if you don't do this, then we're not friends or whatever. But just like, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm creating. This is what I'm up to. This is my values, my vision. Mm. And so if someone is crossing that, um, I'm much quicker to just be like, okay, this person is not in alignment with what I'm creating or what our business is creating or my intimate relationship. And so my, 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 my girlfriend now is is just clear on my values and my vision because I'm clear and I'm clear on what hers are. And mm -hmm. so we accept those values and vision and we don't cross boundaries. Or if I did, uh, you know, I take responsibility and I would and work to improve it. But if someone else is doing that in front of me, I'm just much quicker to say, okay. Is this something that was intentional or unintentional? And I'm resetting the, the standard right now. And if this is not something you're aligned to, then cool. We don't need to be in this type of relationship right now or or I can pull back on, on certain things. And it's just been a lot clearer for me. As before, mm -hmm. I think I was always trying to keep the peace. Sure. And and say, okay, it's, it's okay. I'll let it pass and no big deal. And then it just happens again. It's okay. It's okay. And me being more and more frustrated and resentful with actually creating the boundary and, and actually standing up to that boundary. So it's been, um, it's been an insightful year of creating that in friendships, relationships, everything, yeah. business, work relationship. So how everything. did that, I mean, how do you do that? Tell me what the process was like to get well, to the point where you even knew what the hell your boundary was. Like, how do you even, how do you even know? Um, I have, I have my values listed out, you know, for okay. my business. I have so my they're, they're written down. Yeah. I have my values for my yeah. business. I have my, that everyone sees and, and it's on our job postings. Here are our values. We communicate mm -hmm. it in the interview process. We mm -hmm. talk about it on team calls on a monthly mm -hmm. basis. Hey, let's go over our values just so people are constantly reminded. Um, and then, you know, there's certain times we need to make examples of like, okay, this person, crossed a boundary and it's not okay with us in our business. So we had to let this person go. And as opposed to what I used to do, which was be frustrated and uh, hurt and, res you know, resentful or an anxious around it, 
Well, like, okay, I had a moment that this sucks. Someone crossed a boundary, and it was a pretty bad boundary. And I was just like, okay, this sucks. And I was like, do we give them another chance, or is this something that just doesn't align? Like, it's so you know, out there that it's like, you can't come back from this. Yeah. And I was like, my old self would have said, oh, let's just tell them like, you know, I can't do this again. It's, you know, and give them another chance. But this was a complete cross of a boundary. It wasn't a mixed thing. It was a complete cross. And I just said, listen, I'm not going to get angry or react. This is frustrating and it's upsetting, but we need to let this person go within the next 24 hours. Like there's, I don't care what it takes, we got to let this person go. There's no trust anymore. It's a complete cross of a boundary, and um, and I'm not I'm not here to react. I'm not going to get mad. It's it sucks. It is what it is. We invest in this person. It was time and energy, but it's not a good cultural fit with our values. And that happened this week. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, "Home, oh, yeah." It still sucked. It still was like had some energy in my chest, but I was like, I didn't need to react. I didn't get frustrated. I didn't like texas person an angry thought i was just like okay let's just move on and and get back towards our vision as opposed to focusing on something that happened in a bad way it's just like what can we do to move forward so that's what i'm practicing now as opposed to allowing things to keep uh, you know that's crossing the boundary how did it feel after for me it felt great um, which I'd never done it before. So for me, I, I give, I see the masterpiece in people. I want to give them every chance possible. Um, but this was a clear, it was clear to me. It wasn't a gray area. It was clear. Yeah. And I said, okay, I need to do this for myself and, and for our team to protect our team from, mm-hmm. from someone doing this because yeah. we can't allow people to do these certain things that, that, that happened. So for me, it was, it just became clearer because I think that I continue to do the work for myself that I'm able to recognize it better. Yeah. And that, that awareness and recognition gives me clarity to take action. Yeah. I've experienced that myself too. And just in business and really? just actually in relationships too. I just never listened. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, you have, you have this sort of feeling at some point where you're just like, oh, I don't know about this. And you know what? It doesn't really get any better. It really doesn't get any better. Yeah. You no, know, like that's the that's the bummer about it all. It's like rarely do things really get better. I, I mean, yeah, I'd I love to when. give. I'd love to. I I do believe people can change. I just don't think that. I think human nature is to do the minimum unless they get. You know, that's why people have to hit rock bottoms because, you know, it takes something like that to transform. It's not like, oh, you know, you work here, you know, there's a really terrible mistake and it was completely against our fundamentals and our values, but we're going to give you another chance. It's like, that's not really a rock bottom for someone. That's like, and so a lot of times the change takes place in like deep alchemy and like really in painful things. And so I don't know, that's my, that's my only two cents about it is it it tends to not get better usually, whether it's a relationship or a partnership or work situation. And what I've realized is that you can't really pull people up. They have to yeah. want to come up, right? 100%. You you're not going to be able to change. You can't change someone. They need to want to change themselves and be uh-huh. motivated by something greater. And then you could support them and help elevate them and be yeah. and, and be an accountability friend or partner or leader for them. But you can't push people to want to grow. They need to want it from within. Yeah. Gosh, I was just listening to a Joe Rogan podcast with a couple of guys and they were talking about just like the state of the world. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that was hit on in it that resonated the most with me was just that it's, you know, they're trying to come up with some solution to the world's problems, which essentially is outside of you. And the one that makes the most sense and that, that was, that was brought forward was just, you know, people have to change. And it's like, I mean, if every it's like, you know, if you kind of look into this utopian sort of through this utopian lens, if everyone decided to just like live in integrity and be true and honest and 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 live from their heart and be kind, like immediately everything just changes, everything changes. But that takes everyone doing that and accountability and. Um, and that, 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 that truly, I think is the most important thing that we can all learn for ourselves is accountability. It's like my therapist said to me last year, she, the most important sentence she ever said, 
because I was in the middle of blaming everyone for things, especially, <laughs> especially my parents. And she's like, no one holds the keys for you. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And I cried because I was like, that's a lot of responsibility. And she's like, well, you don't have to do it alone. But, you know, it is the process. And um, and so how do you like, you know, you're you have a you have a huge voice. You have a huge platform. You're a you're a leader. Like, what do you feel is your role in that in that scope of awareness that 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 the self is the most important like what what is it that you're trying to do what are you trying to tell people oh man i think you said it the keys are within you and and i think a lot of us are just still distracted all day long that we don't take time to listen to hear what those keys are inside of us you know that intuition there's a reason why something feels off in your chest or your throat or your stomach because something is off so it's time to listen to see what that is are you off is something else off in your life are you out of integrity of someone else like what can you do to realign to your your greater authentic self and i think um i personally try to be the best example i can be at this season of my life i tell people on my show all about the mistakes and the challenges and the insecurities that i've worked to overcome and face just like you do. And I think there's not a lot of, um, or at least I should say, I don't see a lot of examples of men talking about like, I did a year of therapy and I'm, and I'm healing and I've got a photo of my five-year-old self on my phone and I'm yeah. healing. I don't, yeah. I don't hear a lot of men talking like that. Not saying I'm better than, or, you know, more emotionally evolved or something. I just think I'm doing my best to be an example to show other men that it's okay. And other women that it's also okay to be with men who want to do that because i think <clears throat> what i've learned from my personal experience of writing the mask and masculinity going on tour talking about these topics of kind of men being more vulnerable men healing men talking about their emotions men expressing themselves in vulnerable ways and sharing their shame which the when i grew up was not a thing that you were allowed to do as a boy or a man. Yeah. It was really looked down, looked down upon and made fun of, you know, called the name, all the names that, you know, you're called to make you look weak. And um, it's funny. I remember in my last relationship crying one time being like very vulnerable mm. and, and my girlfriend being like, not being able to handle it. Like she couldn't handle me crying. And she was like, it just looks like you're really weak. Like, I know that's the wrong thing to say, but that's how I feel because it's how I've been conditioned. Yeah. You know, it's how I've been conditioned that crying. So she never cr cried, right? Of course. She, ne she didn't cry because she thought it made you're weak. And I was just like, well, I'm going to keep open. If I feel something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to express it. It's not like I was crying all the time, but there was a few moments when we were going through some tough stuff. And I was just like, here's what I'm going through. What I've witnessed is... A lot of women saying they want their, their male partner to be vulnerable and, and sensitive and be more emotionally uh, flexible. And yet when the man is fi finally like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal this. I'm going to talk about my shame and I'm going to allow myself to cry in front of my, my wife or my girlfriend or whatever, my partner. I have heard the men tell me that when I did that, the woman shut down like their partner shut down they couldn't handle it they're like well i'm freaking out right now so i need you to be strong so i'm just trying to do my best to express myself that way sure. and to and to take down the stereotypes that you can't have a photo of your inner child you know and and do these things as a as a guy uh with a platform so that's what i'm I'm just trying to do my best and as i figured out to live by example you do an yeah. incredible job of that i think thank you, you. I Appreciate thank you. It. It's the reason why, you know, my boyfriend's like, he seems, he's a great, I've heard great things. He seems like a great guy. Let's have dinner with him um, sure. because you're willing to go there. And he's a very emotionally intelligent and aware guy oh, himself. So um, what do you think? Like, this is more of like a curiosity because, you know, depending on who you listen to or talk to, or even what you think, I mean, people like Jordan Peterson and stuff, it's like a man should be a man. And there's other people that talk about this too, but mm -hmm. like, I do think that there's a difference between men and women. I think, I don't think that they're all identical, but I think there's some generalities of like um, yes. <clears throat> things that the, that your one is a little better at than the other. Absolutely. And that it's not about like in this game of like equality and it's not to me about it's, it's about equality and it's not about like 
patriarchy shifts into matriarchy. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for this, this sort of um, opportunity where we each shine in our own ways, which might mean more than the other in some ways, but looking at each other across genders or roles with gratitude and respect Mm-hmm. That no matter what that is, it doesn't, it's not better or worse. And that we all need what we're good at. <clears throat> and when we can embrace what we're each good at, then we become <clears throat> a better version of well, the human race becomes a better Absolutely. version of itself. It's no yeah. longer, it's not, not in a contraction mode. It's in an expansion mode. So mm-hmm. what is it? I'm curious. What is it that you think? a role is for men that you, you believe in your heart and, and, and perhaps even for a woman, what you think a, a woman does the best at or is really shines at. When we figure out what our vision is and what our goals are, then we can figure out how to get there easier. When we are unclear on what a vision is for our life, then it's going to be unclear on what our roles and responsibilities are from my experience. Mm-hmm. I speak from an athletic background point of view mostly in team sports. You're more of an individual sport, although you had a team, mm-hmm. you know, working with you, but it was, you were the, the driver in the car. There wasn't like five people in the car, you know, doing that, but you had a team. In ba- and I think of basketball, you know, it's like it's five guys on a court and I'm not going to go up against Shaquille O'Neal because that's not my role. I'm not a seven foot, you know, beast that can take him on uh, at a center position. My role would be more of a shooting guard because mm-hmm. of my uniqueness, my skills, my talents, my physicality, all those things. And if I, and if our object of me playing basketball on a team was to win the championship, that was the vision. We're here to play. We're here to win this game. Not saying that you need to win or lose in life, but for the, for the context of this story, you're going to put your teammates in the best position and the best roles possible in order to go go up against the challenges of life. Yeah. Whatever the challenges of that other team you're playing against or the challenges of life that you're going up against as a partnership in a relationship. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about my my girlfriend Martha is that she has a model of uh, her parents have been married for 40 years and unless they're fooling all of us, they seem like they're incredibly in love. They are joking and are playful and loving and and you're kind to one another. They're not, you know, passive aggressive and angry and dismissive. Mm. There's this, but she, her mother has a specific role that she plays in the relationship that she loves to play that role because she's more talented, more skilled and a better fit for than her, her husband. Her husband plays a different role that has his unique skill sets, his unique talents that line up and partner up in a powerful way where they respect each of their roles. Just like I would respect someone like Shaquille O'Neal on my team, I couldn't act like I could have those skills because I don't. I'm not that skilled type of a player in basketball. I have a different talents. And hopefully he would be able to respect my skill set on a basketball court. And in my relationship, she loves the skill set and the the uh, the role that I play mm-hmm. in our relation in my life in my business and in our relationship, and she loves the role she plays um, in our partnership as well because we have come together when we started dating, and I said this is what I want this is my vision for my life this is what I see my life becoming in the future this is where this is everything I did in my past where I messed up and made mistakes. I'm going to reveal everything to you. This is where I'm at now, and this is where I'm heading in the future. I'm very clear on my vision for my relationship future, what I want based on this season of life. And she said, this is what I want, and here are my values and my vision. We did exercises. We went to Sedona, and I said, let's do an exercise where you write on a piece of paper all your values, everything that matters to you. I'm going to write, you know, on my pieces of paper in my journal, all the things that matter to me. And then we're going to come unbiased together and see if they match up. About 90% of them matched up from the things we wanted to do, the, to, you know, how we wanted to live our life, our lifestyle, like all these different things. 
And the things that didn't line up, I go, are these deal breakers for us? Sure. Is this super important for you? And you need to have this. And if I don't care about that, are you okay with it? And there were no deal breakers in terms of the whatever 10% of things that weren't on the same. They were very similar to what we had already talked about. So I said, even with that, we we still may not work out. You know, Even though our values are lined up and our vision seems to be lined up, time will tell over time if we can play well as a team. Just like in basketball, you got to play sure. well as teammates in order to see if you can accomplish the goals that sure. you have for that season. And so, um, and that takes, in my opinion, I use everything with sports analogies, having a great coach. And me having a great coach of my mind and my emotions and my health, and her having a great coach of her mind, her emotions, and her health, mm. where we are both accountable to our work ethic, our energy, our attitude. On a basketball team, I've been on teams where some of the guys are incredible freaks of nature, talented beyond belief, could jump out of the gym, dunk, shoot, run so fast, way better athletes than me, but had horrible work ethic, horrible attitude, mm. and didn't work together as a team. They were selfish. They wanted these things. So they went from starters to on the bench to being a distraction on the bench to being kicked off the team, even though they were the best athlete on the team. Let that be a lesson. So you've got to be willing to, if you're, if you're going to be in a relationship from, you're talking to a guy who's failed at every relationship because they've all ended mm -hmm. and has learned because I chose these certain relationships and, and, and didn't uh, step up to my boundaries and I kept trying when it, when it wasn't the right fit because I didn't communicate my values and my vision early on and I stayed in for the wrong reasons. So I take full responsibility. Now with that wisdom and that clarity, it's it's easier for me to see it looking back because I've gone through that much pain and frustration for myself. But it's because I have a coach, a therapist, who's allowed me to go through multiple exercises just like you're talking about and, and experience it and be like, okay, well, moving forward, what is it that I really need? I need to play my role, my part, and be clear on my values and my vision and lifestyle. And if the other person isn't aligned, then there's nothing wrong with that person. We're just not the right fit. So don't get committed in the first place. Right. And it's like uh, you that's got been, vulnerable early and you're just like, early. look, okay. Instead of carrying on and abandoning yourself, which is yes. what ends up happening by going, Oh, you know, we'll just see. It's like, you kind of went, stepped up to the plate and went, okay, I really like you. I know uh -huh. six months in, but here are my, here is like my boundaries. Here I did that. Th I did that like two and a half months. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Here's you, something you might lose yeah, them. And that's, exactly. that's the game, right? You might and being okay along. Exactly. And I think I was never okay with like losing something. Yeah. And losing the person, losing them loving me and that connection and the friendship yeah. we built. Because if it doesn't work out, then maybe we won't speak together. And I was always afraid that I wasn't going to be enough or that I was going to be alone or that they would be yeah. hurt or they would judge me or they would think I was a bad guy because I didn't choose them. Yeah. And so in this relationship was the most interesting thing I'd ever done. It was a decision I made and um, <clears throat> we, both, we both made and I started reflecting on all the previous relationships. There was, let's say, sexual activity early in every relationship, mm -hmm. right? And that sexual activity created a chemical bond of this feels good and there's great connection. Okay. And and there was no conversation about values or vision or lifestyle. Mm -hmm. it was, we're having fun. This is a great time. We're experiencing life together and we've got this chemical bond mm -hmm. and this time i said listen there's there's not gonna be any of that and um we can hang out and and we spent i mean when i say there wasn't any of that i mean my friends are like in shock especially my guy friends i'm gonna get vulnerable here but it's almost three months i spent 40 nights next to her without without that activity going on <laughs> and um Talk about self-discipline for me yeah. as someone who's driven by, you know, wants that a lot. Sure. I, I was just like, it's not worth it. It's not worth it until I find out, like, where this is going. And if we are in alignment on our values and our vision, which you could call roles and responsibilities towards your vision in life, 
And so, again, I feel yeah. great. Right, right, even with all this happening, it doesn't yeah. mean like it's going to be happy forever and ever. Right. And who That's knows? just we the realistic no version. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? But I feel the most at peace. It feels incredible. And I feel like I'm laying a foundation, brick after brick, of possibilities of something greater than doing the things in reverse that I've always mm. done. Mm. So it's it's been a beautiful experience, but it was not easy. And I had to break certain habits. So damn, that's my thoughts on roles and relationships. And, and, and everyone is different, right? It just Absolutely. doesn't mean that, you know, there's, it doesn't always have to mean that there's a macro of each. I mean, it's just kind of what is yours and it's about respecting yeah. the other person because it's when you can't respect the other person for being amazing at something, it means that you're insecure yourself. Mm -hmm. And you need to do some reflecting. Absolutely. Thank you so much for checking back in. I of course. love catching up with you. I, yeah. you know, I, I think that you're just an incredible leader. I think you're just such a voice. And as I told you when I first met you, like because of our conversation that we had, I was promoting my book, which like was now almost four years ago. And I did three podcasts and you were one of them. And I was like, I really love that format. And you totally were what led me into being like, I think I want to do a podcast. That's great. And um, so it's truly like one of the, it's really the most fulfilling thing I do. So um, you're, you're leading in more ways than just more ways than, you know, I, think. Oh, I appreciate that. And Thank you. Thank you for the good work. And thanks for the insight for the new book. I have no doubt that it'll be incredibly beneficial for a lot of people and especially for men who, you know, I think need a, you know, could really, can really use a guide like you for sure. who's willing to get into these spaces, these sticky spaces where culture hasn't always been so, um, accepting or understanding maybe. Sure. Um, so Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a flawed human being doing getting feedback all the time, trying to just improve my life. So mm -hmm. you're doing it. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.